this is Gabi from Lithuania. Welcome to the new episode of The Missing Peace. A mass of wave protests led to peaceful protests swept Belarus after authorities claimed that Alexander Lukashenko, president since 1994, had been re-elected despite the vote of difference in August 2020. Belarusian security forces detained thousands of people and subjected hundreds to torture and other ill-treatment in attempt to control the protests. Yet the protests are continuing, despite the risks, for almost six months. In the episode last year, we introduced you to the university student Vera from Belarus, which explained protests that were happening in Belarus and shared her opinion on the events. Today she is back to give us more updates and even comment on Russian protests from Belarusian's perspective. Welcome to the show, Vera. Welcome, thank you. So let's jump, let's jump straight into it. How's the situation in Belarus these days? Have protests changed anything so far? Because it's been quite a long time. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time and protests themselves changed. So in August we've seen 200,000 people on the streets and now it's not the case. First of all, I think because the format changed and then you know the weather changed and some people got exhausted but still we see regularly smaller groups of people for example um, district protests are quite popular now where people from one district unite and go together in the evening or in the morning in groups of 20 to 30 people and the situation made people from one district closer and everyone got to know their neighbors and everyone just got friendly what's more there are a lot of actions on social media as you know Svetlana Tikhonovska is has been meeting um, many presidents for the last couple of months and she and her team has been doing a great job of communicating what's happening in Belarus to Europe and to the world and making sure that no one just loses sight of Belarus and no one forgets about what's happening there but in terms of um, actions from the government we have seen that they have given quite a, a harsh response. We have seen that now more than ever in the history of Belarus we have 220, if I'm not mistaken, political prisoners. And I person, personally know some of them, which is crazy, but that's the reality. And do we see any sign of uh, change? of the opinion of the government? No, we don't see it yet. But I think people are beginning to understand that maybe this is not um, a small race, this is going to be a, a marathon. Back in uh, back in summer there was uh, one of the programmers that created the app or was that a platform where you can uh, demasks the police basically that were brutally 
arresting mm -hmm. others. How did that impact the attitudes of the police? Was it uh, less brutal or was it even more? Uh, it depends. It has definitely made some of the special forces, I would say. The focus was mainly on them. It has definitely made some of them afraid. Uh, many people from that area have decided to leave the job. But some of the people, as you said, they became more brutal because they feel attacked. They feel like, you know, they've been told that since August, they've been told that people hate them, that people are the enemy. And I think that they kind of got um, an evidence to that, you know. And it's a hard question if it helps or not, but I think it's a necessary process because so far the majority of them operate um, in total anonymity. While maybe you've seen the shots from the fake uh, courts where the, where the person accused is sitting as is and then there is a police officer or a mon as we call them officer in the mask and this just contradicts every law in every constitution including Belarusian constitution mm, that sounds bad but at least now you have technology and you have those right Belarusians that are trying to help out the cause though it's it's been six months already it's so surprising that president is still not doing anything like he does not even consider the option to get away. How is he doing these days? Did he report on his position, situation? Maybe he flee flee the country or something? Mm, as far as you know, no, he's still in Belarus, and um, he has been communicating that you know these people who are protesting, they're a minority want to undermine the stability of the country he has told everyone that no you have to wait until another election it means five years I mean less now but you know still four and a half because this was a fair election period and the only countries that support him as you know mainly Russia and China, we have seen that now in Russia, they also have their problems. And the rest of the countries, the, uh, especially in Europe, they support Tikhanovska. And she's acting as the president-elect, as the voice of the people. So is he taken seriously now? Probably not. There are people who still support him. Uh, he has tried to change constitution in some way to pretend like he is making changes to hear the people but um, the body uh, institutional body which he organized to make the changes in constitution do not 
take into consideration any of the wishes of Belarusian people. So all of the stuff that's happening now, I would say that's just repression and dealing with uh, political opponents. Nothing really major is happening in Belarusian economy or in trade or in production. It's just stale and stagnant. He's just trying to eliminate his political opponents and that's it. Mm -hmm. oh. It sounds a bit sad, really. But like, yeah. if it continues, then Belarus' economy will be even worse, isn't it? Yeah, it's going downhill. And, well, some people say that's what may change his mind. If the country reaches complete rock bottom, and we've been thinking about rock bottom ever since August. And it seems like there is no sign of it. So, maybe, you know, he has money and he is well uh, positioned in life. So even if people get completely poor, he still has the money to survive and sustain his small family. So maybe he will just take it and live. Hmm. Well, hopefully he will leave his position as well. Hopefully. Well, yeah. But how do you think protests will last? Because if the economy is going to become in the rock bottom, like people won't have resources how to even live, if that makes sense. So how do you think yeah. it will last? Maybe, well, maybe angry people, angry and hungry and poor people are more effective in protest. This is quite, this is quite a pragmatic point of view, but, you know, it works in some countries. Maybe it will change the peaceful character of Belarusian protest, because so far no violence from the people themselves. It's only a backlash from the government. Maybe it can get more violent when people are just desperate, you know? Yeah. Well, now, as you mentioned, Russia. On January 23rd this year, police detained more than 3,000 people across Russia at nationwide protests against the arrest of political opposition figure Alexei Navalny, who was against state corruption. In the light of protests, there was a video published called Putin's Castle, which showed mm -hmm. a massive building complex with, which, according to Alex Navalny, belongs to Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, and was built from taxpayers' money. So. How do you think it will influence the Belarus situation as well? Because now Russia's people are, are waking up and they might actually try to overthrow Vladimir Putin, who was the ally of Lukashenko. It's a hard question because I, I know that today might be another protest because today is Saturday. And I've seen a lot of the... Um, plans and strategies discussed on social media. I've seen that Moscow is just completely, <laughs> uh, how to say, uh, all the streets are just blocked. <laughs> 
so that people cannot gather and we've seen it, we've experienced it already in Belarus. Well, many of my uh, fellow Belarusians have discussed the, uh, the protest that happened last Saturday and they came to the conclusion that it's very different from what we had. Uh, the police are violent, but the scale of violence is not that high. But at the same time, it's just the beginning, so we don't know where it's going to get. I think that uh, Russian politics is quite different. Yes, Putin is also a dictator, and he also has a lot of power, but the power that he has is much greater than the power Lukashenko has. Russia is a huge country, it's very rich in resources, and these resources, almost all of them, are located in the hands <coughs> of limited amount of people, so they have much stronger, even like police and special forces units are much more organized and have more uh, finance in them. So I think, in my opinion, if Russia was to <clears throat> get on on the way to overthrowing the dictatorship, it's gonna take much more time for them because the opponent is much stronger. And if we're talking about Belarusians, I wouldn't say that we are like inspired by that. But we definitely support them. We support because we know how it is. And I think we would be very happy to see Russian protest reaching its goal if it happens. Mm. But we don't know. Yeah. Hopefully it will spark the change in the governments of many countries, really. Because as we have read, a lot of Russian-speaking or post-Soviet countries have uh, corrupt governments and mm -hmm. perhaps it will inspire other countries as well to raise up and go against their corrupt leaders. Mm -hmm. So, but have you seen the mentioned video, La Putin's Castle? I heard it was the highest grossed video right now. It has like about 100 million views on YouTube and mm -hmm. it's spread like a wildfire in Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, Kazakhstan and many other countries. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on it? Or perhaps you heard some thoughts on it? Well, uh, the majority of feedback that I have seen and heard is basically jokes. I think the this situation is so absurd that people cannot take it seriously anymore, you know? And so what do they do to cope with the absurd? They make jokes. And you know, I know, I know many Russian people, they are not surprised at all. Some of them were, you know, just taking it as is, as a fact. And I know that some Russian people were like, well, yes, he is a king, and, you know, kings build palaces. But then at the same time, they are not kings, because 
this palace is your money. It's from taxes, as obviously. And I think it got people angry, but then at the same time, like, it, it created more fun and more jokes and more memes than it created hatred, you know? Mm. I see. Well, I suppose memes can also change the world at some point and make even international buzz once they get translated. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, belonging to international university, how do you think uh, it impacts your perception of the current events that are happening in Belarus and Russia? Because as you mentioned, you have uh, plenty of friends in one side and another. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been hard because in lockdown I just lost all of my connections except for maybe those who live in my floor and in my room. Um, because, you know, in classes we don't discuss this. Uh, the places we could discuss this and as uh, a member of the intercultural team I talked about it. We were planning to give this space and time for these discussions and they obviously didn't happen and everyone is just too exhausted to have another Zoom meeting these days. Um, so it kind of went on pause. Uh, I think uh, Belarusian and Russian community in LCC is not as um, close-knitted. Uh, we just process it in on our own, I guess. It's just our friends who are near us and they say the words of support and I live with a Russian friend and we are kind of in the same boat right now, you know. Mm. So we discuss it among ourselves and we just try to cope with it emotionally. Thank you for engaging answers. I hope for our listeners now it is a bit clear what is happening in Belarus and Russia. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Let's meet, a, let's meet again in the next episode of The Missing Peace.